Welcome to the Messy Middle podcast and radio show presented by Mother and Founder Co. Each month, guests are invited to share their version of the messy middle and the lessons they've learned along the way. Whether you're in the messiness of growing a business, healing from trauma, or navigating the wild world of parenting, this show is a must. We are excited to celebrate the messiness of life and business with you. And now, let's settle in as host Jen Burwell connects us with today's guests. Hello and welcome, everyone. I am so excited about this episode. I think it's going to be really powerful um, and a transformational hour, I know, for myself personally. So I want to introduce my two guests today. We have Sasha Stair, executive leadership coach, founder of the Lead From Within Method and fintech executive. Welcome, Sasha. Thank you. And we also have Danielle McGee, Reiki master and founder of This Is Danielle. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having us. I am so excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation since, Sasha, you and I talked in January? Yeah, after Founders Meeting. Yeah. So the first time I met both of you, which, Danielle, I don't even think you know this because you guys co-presented, right, at the the Founders? yeah. Yeah. So I checked out the Founders after probably six months of like, I don't know. These girls seem too cool for me. I don't know if I belong in the room. And finally in January, I was like, no, we can do hard things. We can be, we can do scary things. So I convinced one of my friends to come in January was the first founders meeting I ever went to. And it was because of your guys' talk, I was like, this is the right place for me. And it just felt like home. And it just, it was literally exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. And it was just, it was so magical. Um, And so thank you both for that um, experience. And um, Sasha, I got to chat with you a little bit after because we're going to get into the amazing book that you wrote. Um, but then I just said, hey, I have this podcast if you're interested. And I was like so excited when you said yes. So thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. It's exciting for us too. Absolutely. Did Lindsay and Coley hear that? I hope so. I'm sure they heard <laughs> right? that. Founders plug. <laughs> I know. Uh, you guys were phenomenal. It was, it was awesome. Thank um, you. So I always like to start this show to just give our audience a little bit of just background of where you came from, how you got to where you are today, which I know it's a long story. (laughs) We're going to dive into pieces of it, but just from general background information, tell us a little bit about yourself. So who wants to go first? Go for it, girl. Okay. I am San Diego born native. So I like to call myself a Cali girl living in the desert. Mm -hmm. Um, Been in this Phoenix area for about two years now. Gosh, talk about messy. My career has been messy. My life has been messy. (laughs) I have zigzagged all over the map. I went to San Diego State and studied marketing and communications, but came out and went into medical device sales. Ended up bouncing around uh, in the sales world for a little bit. Ended up in nonprofit, running a nonprofit for a while. And then uh, ultimately landed in the mortgage world, which is super exciting. And um, have really been in that space, um, mostly with fintechs, which are really just organizations that are helping from a software standpoint to Mm -hmm. enable the mortgage business to do what they need to do to service their clients. For probably the last 12 years, during that time, unfortunately, have come across probably more bad leaders than good. Mm -hmm. And really was intrigued and curious by why that's the case. And it got me into this mode of starting to write. And I had a dear friend, Kaylee, who started Soul Excellence Publishing, which is a fantastic company. And she came to me and said, hey, I'm going to publish this book. You know, COVID hit. People are struggling with leading through the pandemic. Do you want to co 
author. Hmm. And I thought, oh, perfect, because I've been wanting an outlet to express some of my thoughts, opinions around leadership and, mm-hmm. you know, what causes us to not have the tools that we need to lead more authentically. And so I co-authored that. Um, and then another one came. And then finally, I was like, Kaylee, I got to write my own book. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the journey that brought me to authoring The Inside Job, Master the World Within to Lead the Future of Corporate. And it says corporate, but really it's not. Like it's for everyone mm-hmm. uh, because we all need to master that world within. And uh, I've really been focused on not only writing that book and sharing the messages within it to help people understand the message behind it, which we can talk about in a little bit, um, but also then taking it back in almost like uh, fintech is a lab for me to practice and see like what does work, what doesn't, mm-hmm. and how do we help really shape the future of leadership in corporate. So besides being, you know, crazy owner of two dogs uh, and cats and being married and having an amazing daughter, that's mm-hmm. it. That's, that's all I got. Is that all? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so I have a question for you. Yeah. When you were growing up, what did you think you'd be when you grew up? Sitcom actress. No kidding. And by the way, I didn't actually know this. My mom and I were at some event and they were like, did you ever ask your parents what you wanted to be when you grew up so you could figure out like what you really inspired to be mm-hmm. or aspired to be, excuse me. And I looked at my mom because she was with me. I was like, mom, what was it? And she told me that. And I was like, no way. I would have <laughs> never pinned that. I don't know what I wanted to be back then, like what I remember wanting to be, but apparently that's what she said I did. And it it doesn't surprise me. She's a music teacher and a concert pianist. She writes all of her own music. She's a phenomenal artist. Oh my gosh. And yeah, and she always had me in everything on stage, theater, musical, like Mm. regular theater, musical theater, tap dance, ballet, et cetera. So it doesn't surprise me that that was the answer, but I had no idea. That's so funny. So Maybe it was her answer for you. Yeah, right? <laughs> She's like, you would have been really good at this. Why didn't you do it? Um, yeah. She would have been like opera singer. That's what she would have wanted. Possibly. Yeah. And I did study opera before I changed to business, but <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. I'm a control freak. So if I'm not like in charge of, then it doesn't really work for me. And I thought, theater man, you were just constantly being directed and told mm-hmm. how you were not in the right place, not the right tone, not the right time, whatever it might be. And I'm like, that's going to drive me nuts. I can't do that. I need to go into leadership instead so I can tell other people what to do. And then I'm like, wait, that's not leadership either. Shoot. <laughs> uh, life is a journey. Uh, that's some great self-awareness though, to yeah. realize like, hey, I need to be a director or conscious leader, I think mm-hmm. is where you end up. Evolved too. Evolved too, yes. yes. So Danielle, how about you? Where'd you grow up? Grew up in Southern Virginia in the middle of nowhere in like cutest, quaintest little town. Mm-hmm. You were talking about someone going to school after you like 12 years, like my mm-hmm. whole family. Like I went to the, I was in the grow up um, in the middle of nowhere by the farms with like my grandmother went to the same high school I went to. Like oh, wow. my mom and dad had the same teachers that I had. Like <laughs> I didn't even know this. Yeah. So it was like real down home. Yeah. Um, loved I hated it as a child, appreciate it so much now mm-hmm. as an adult. Went to San Diego for two, well, went to San Diego for 10 years after I left DC after college. Did that whole East Coast, hated being so buttoned up, riding mm-hmm. the Metro every day. Mm-hmm. Fled to San Diego so I could ride my bike and be barefoot on the way to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually landed and was doing nonprofit work for a long time. Got to a point where I was like, I'm never going to be able to do what I want to do in this space, mm-hmm. truly. And started with a startup in San Diego that actually grew from like 45 people when I first started to over 450 when I left. And so throughout that process of a decade of doing these huge seminars all over the country, we're an educational business 
seminar company. Oh, cool. Um, personal development, all the things mm-hmm. wrapped into it. As the company grew, I got pushed into roles that I had no business doing because we were just organically growing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I got to learn and do and lead in all these new and different ways, which was so beautiful. But I burnt out. Mm-hmm. Like, I was traveling, I think one year I was 90,000 miles a year on the plane. Like, it was wow. insane every single weekend, sometimes multiple times per week, flying, setting up these huge two, three, 400-person seminars. Needless to say, my nervous system was like, we're tapped. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so along that path brought me to what are some other things I can do to actually feel good in my body? Mm-hmm. Because going to bougie dinners and drinking wine every night was like my solution for a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And that was not the solution. And then I would go work out really hard in the gym thinking that would help, but my cortisol levels were already through the roof. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like tired, anxious all the time. And so I found myself in San Diego at a Reiki share circle, essentially at my yoga studio. And that was in 2013. That was like a really tough year for me. I was like having tons of issues with anxiety, stress, just mm-hmm. like I loved what I was doing, but I was like, I can't do it this way anymore. Yeah. Went to that circle literally, and this is where it gets real woo woo. So buckle up. <laughs> I went to that circle. <laughs> <laughs> I went to that circle and who and ultimately became my two teachers, mm-hmm. an older married couple in San Diego. One of them was working on me and I literally had this like, oh my God, this is what I'm supposed to do. And mm-hmm. it made zero sense at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm supposed to do this? No, I'm like trying to like run this, kind of like want to rise up in this company, you know? Mm-hmm. So right after that, I'd only had 15 minutes of work done to me. I said, I want to get certified in this modality. Wow. I don't know why. I just do. Started my journey at that point. And so over the course of 10 years, studied, practiced, kind of like moonlit as a Reiki practitioner, I would work out of people in my home. Mm-hmm. I would do workshops and circles in San Diego, but it was very separate from corporate Danielle in heels on stage business life. Mm-hmm. And so finally in 2018, it all kind of came crashing down and I was like, I have to make a choice. I was either going to get promoted to take on more responsibility within the company or it was time to really branch out and do what I knew I was like called to do. Wow. So that's how I ended up here. I moved to Phoenix about two years ago. And yeah, I've been building and growing my business here ever since. And it's been such a blessing. So that's such a cool story. Yeah. So I have two follow-up questions. One is when you had that, you were at that decision point of, you know, it's like a fork in the road. You can go one way or the other and potentially there's no wrong answer. How, take us through that process of like (laughs) how you decided which way to go and how you, what that looked like. Absolutely. And this is something I use with my clients often. It's mm-hmm. like you, we get to, we have free will and choice, right? Mm-hmm. And we get to look and see what this next step is. Mm-hmm. And I always say, if you're looking and you're visualizing that next step and it feels constrictive, it feels like you're putting on clothes that are too tight mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like it's like in your biggest and best growth, but then you can look in another direction and it may be scarier. Mm-hmm. It may have more fear involved, but it feels like you're cracking open. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's expansion on the other side. And for me, that's it was almost like I I was going to bubble up and scream, even though I love the people. I, mm-hmm. I had such a, well, obviously, there were things that happened with leadership. And of course, I didn't, you know, you have those moments in, when you're, especially at a startup, yeah. where you can have tension and friction and all these things, but it was a family, you know, because mm-hmm. we were all in the trenches together. So it was like hard to make that decision, but I knew this is what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right. And then the messy middle came in where you have to <laughs> deprogram 12 years of like corporate 
business. This is how I'm going to think and do and be in this box to, oh my gosh, I have to unwind all of that. And how do I show up as a leader in this space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. I love that analogy and that visualization of like, cause it really does, at least in my experience, feel like that. Like yeah. when you're like, oh, this is a safer option, but it feels like constricting and like yeah. you can't really breathe. But then the other option, it almost feels like, like it's a little bit too big for you, but it feels like you have space. Or you're and jumping and you're hoping the parachute's packed. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And you can't really see what's on the other side. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, my second question for both of you is how did the two of you meet? Ooh, this is a good one. Demi started. Do you want to start it? You go. So we actually met in San Diego mm. 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I think. At least. I was starting to finding, I was in the nonprofit world. Like I said, before I switched mm-hmm. over to the startup world and I was like, I still want to be involved in the nonprofit world. Sasha at the time was helping run an organization in San Diego mm-hmm. called Jeans for Justice. Mm-hmm. And they were organizing um, a group to run the rock and roll half marathon mm-hmm. in San Diego. So I was like, I'm going to do that. And that's where she and I originally met. Wow. Just like training in that space. She was running the same year I was running. Mm -hmm. And you get to know people when you're running, you know, (laughs) eight miles on a Saturday morning. And at at that time in our mid-20s, so very hungover running eight miles on a Saturday morning. And learning and raising money and getting to see that side. But then we ended up serendipitously kind of our lives. Obviously, we both moved her around the same time. That's what I was thinking. Not, you know, she was with her husband. It was a choice. I came here for a partner I was dating at the time. So it was just... And different, like she came from San Diego. I had already routed to Florida and DC and then back to Phoenix because yeah. my career has taken me like All a pink pinball machine. Yeah, totally. And then also we, that happened. Then she introduced me to a mentor we worked with that we both have a lot of love for, who mm. was pretty much our mentor in both the mystical, spiritual business coaching world mm-hmm. for a very long time. She introduced me to her and then Sasha actually held me through a retreat experience. Then mm. Sasha came back years later and I was helping run retreats and I got to hold Sasha through a retreat experience. How cool. So just, we always say we've came together to like be in each other's lives in these really beautiful, profound ways. That's so special when that happens. 100%. Yeah. That's so cool. So a little bit about my background. So I used to be the director of um, a campaign at the Leukemia Lymphoma Society called Team in Training. Mm. So I trained athletes um, well, our coaches train them, but I come from a family of endurance athletes. Um, and so uh, we, I would help people who would raise money for cancer research and they would do half marathons, marathons, triathlons, and century rides. Yeah. So I totally understand the bonding that comes with training for an endurance uh, marathon. And I have um, myself many memories of running hungover, which some of those runs were like my best runs ever. Like, well, you're in your 20s. It's like nothing takes you down. You get a bagel, superwoman, you get some caffeine, and you go. Yes, correct. If I were to try to do that now, I would probably die. And just to clarify, you say endurance, but for me, it was torture. So (laughs) I appreciate there are people out there where their bodies are built for that. But for me, it was like, uh, I did two, I got my medals, and I'm done. That was my joke that I ran half marathon and I haven't ran since. Yeah, correct. (laughs) Unless someone's chasing me with a sharp object. Right. I mean, it's not fun at all. I mean, my stepdad has run over 30 marathons. He's done all the big ones like Boston, Chicago, all the things. Um, And I ran cross country in high school and then track, but mostly like, because that's what we did as a family. Like, we would go on vacation mm. and run. Like, that was my parents' idea of fun. <laughs> it has never been my idea of fun. But I was so in this world and the relationships I built. It was all about the social thing. So I'm yeah. still very connected to a lot of those people that I ran and, and did races with. But my husband, 
Um, I met him through that program. So his sister's a cancer survivor. She was our honored hero. I knew her before I knew him. Mm -hmm. And in San Francisco at the Nike Women's Marathon, I met him that weekend. And then I would say, you know, we started dating. I broke up with him a few times. He's very persistent. (laughs) Then, you know, the rest is history. Um, Out of that, though, is when we first started dating, he he had never been endurance runner. His family's not. His sister just had this goal, like, if she can make it through treatment, this is what she wanted to do because there were firefighters, chocolate, and Tiffany necklaces at the end of the race. Oh, so, we did it all wrong. I know, I know. You just like, had to go a little more north. I was like, did we? we no, we did not get that. Did I miss we, that we booth? Got, I got a medal and a beer. <laughs> I know. The rock and roll races are, are a lot of fun, but the and Nike women's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are awful. Yeah. But in order to date me, I said, well you have to run to my husband. And he was like, oh, how hard this can, how hard can this be? So we signed up for a marathon in Hawaii. He was in for Hawaii, right? Like who doesn't want to go to Hawaii? Except for the the humidity. And the hills. No, thank you. And we ran on the freeway. Oh. It was, but, so (laughs) it was a horrible experience for him. And he was like, that's the one and done. He's never run. I've never run another marathon either. I halves are much better than fulls. But anyways, so it was just funny. He's like, I loved you so much that I ran a marathon. That's courtship. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. So it was. Mine, mine stalked me at a company that we both worked at in the kitchen until I said yes on a date. See, persistence. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, it seems to be a theme. That is a theme. So, so bringing it back to why we were here today, um, I want to talk about the book that you wrote, Sasha. Yeah. The Inside Job. So a couple things. One is... This is a very, and I'm holding the book for those of you who can't see, this is the very first book that I have been able to read on a plane since having children mm. because my children are finally old enough to sit and be quiet in a seat. So it was like <laughs> glorious and it will always hold a special place in my heart. But also, much more importantly, this is an incredible, incredible book. And I just got so much value and insight and it reads like so personal but also I can totally see the side of you that's like, here's some practical advice and tips on like how to actually do this. Because I think a lot of books, that's where they can fall short is like, here's the concept. But then mm-hmm. you're like, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the second piece of this is I, my, both of my parents, my mom and my stepdad are, they had corporate careers their whole life. They worked in accounting and finance for big corporations and they hated their lives. Mm. That I could resonate and I could see it from my perspective as a child through those stress and anxiety that that environment caused for them impacted me so much that I knew going to college, I would never work for a corporation. Like that was my, I don't care who or where I work for. So I've worked for large nonprofits. I've worked for small business. I've worked for startups. I, to this day, have never worked for a corporation because of the awfulness um, that I saw my parents lived through and my mom, especially. So when she was um, pretty high up in her company in, in finance role and just the things and some of it, like she's not telling us, right? We're kids, but I, you overhear things of them talking. And, sure. and as an adult, she's shared stories of just the rooms she's had to be in, the abuse she's had to endure, the things that people say. And so changed the path of my life because early on I was like, well, I'm going to be a CEO of a big company. Mm -hmm. Like that was my like little dream. And Mm -hmm. even in high school. And then as I was watching my parents, it's like, I don't want that because what it meant was parents who um, were stressed all the time, who would wait for us to go to bed and then work again until midnight, who had to go through like rounds and rounds of layoffs and just the anxiety of all of that and figuring out like who and what 
just the con it was like we were are as a family, we're constantly on pins and needles. And I mean, there were good times too, and there my both of them had good leaders, but to your point, I would say the majority of them were poor leaders and it affected them personally and our family dynamic. So reading this was a lot, was very emotional for me. Mm-hmm. Um and there were a lot of points. Part of it is sad is sad to me because it's still happening, right? This is relatively recent. So let's start from the beginning. Kind of tell <laughs> us the premise of the book. Why you started to talk a little bit about it. Like why, what inspired you to write it? Yeah. So I'll back up even a little further only because it will provide context sure. for who I am as a person. When I finished it, and I saw how short it was, my immediate reaction was like, oh my gosh, it's not good enough. Mm. Shocker. Like mm-hmm. we all do that, right? Mm-hmm. And what I realize now is I keep hearing so many people that say, I'm so busy. I pick up a book. I'm like a serial reader. I've got 10 books by my nightstand, but I never finished them. Mm-hmm. But yet everyone seems to be able to finish this one. Yeah. And it was because I checked my ego and was like, what's in there is what's meant to be. Do not add fluff. Do not make it bigger. It's mm-hmm. fine. It will work. And so I love that you said that you were able to get through it. Obviously, having children a little older that are willing to sit still long enough, or maybe you sedated them. I don't know. It's okay. I don't judge. Um, (laughs) I'll never tell. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I love that you mentioned that because I do really bring it back to people who are thinking about or who have written a book and want to put it out in the world. Like the length of it doesn't matter. It's the Mm -hmm. core content and the message you're trying to give to others. And the message I wanted to give to others to come to your recent question was, we can't control everything outside of us, right? We can only control what's going on inside. And everything I was taught in business school or by other leaders was never related to managing what was going on inside, Mm -hmm. what life experiences I had had that had shaped me, my DNA, how I was raised, um, different experiences I was going to have as an adult and have to navigate quite frankly, with very few tools or resources because I didn't know that they existed because we didn't get taught that growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, Also being taught and at no discredit to my parents because I think it's because they were raised the same way. You don't really talk about your emotions and you don't express your emotions. And Mm -hmm. so therefore you shove them down. And Mm -hmm. newsflash, in case you haven't paid attention, they come out anyway. And they come out typically in really ugly, unhealthy ways when we don't tend to them. And so I kept feeling like there's all these great books out there that tell you, like, you want to start a business, here's what you need to do. Like, if you're in business and you want to think about scaling or you want to be a better leader, like, and and look, no discredit, again, because they're amazing and I read their books, the Simon Sinek's, the John C. Maxwell's of the world, the Brene Brown's of the world, like, they're great authors and they write really good inspirational leadership concepts. I felt like we got to dig deeper. And then to your point, I'm a very masculine person. I've worked on my feminine. Danielle, we'll we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. later. She's helped me unravel and unveil my feminine. But my masculine side is like, you can't just be inspired and then be like, great, I read this incredible book. And then now what? Mm -hmm. Like, I need people to read it and go, I can do something. I can change. Like, I want this book to be transformative, but it's still a choice. Mm -hmm. So I try to be really inviting in the book of, here are things I've gone through. Here's what I would change if I could, Mm -hmm. right? Because we all have situations where we wish we could have done it maybe a little different Mm -hmm. or maybe had more emotional intelligence at that time so we didn't snap the way we did. But also, like, what are practices that you can integrate in your life right now to be 
more self-aware, more emotionally intelligent, more comfortable with failing and talking about failure. Mm -hmm. And it was all things that I had, again, seen not happening in corporate that I felt were at the root of why so many things occur in corporate that do create those negative environments Mm -hmm. that your parents unfortunately endured that many of us still endure Um, in the book. And I I promise I'll try to keep my cussing to a minimum, but beware, I am married to a a veteran (laughs) Navy. Um, So it's not always easy for me, but I call it the real shit show because Mm -hmm. the truth is you're going to go through experiences, regardless if it's corporate or not, that people don't talk about Mm -hmm. more openly or enough or often. And no one gives you those tools to navigate through those situations. And even if I would have had the tools, I don't even know if I would have done it perfectly then, right? Because right. I was still growing up in corporate, figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So again, I really wanted the book to be both inspirational and raw and like, hey, this is who I am and this is what I've been through in my life. But also, here's what I've learned. And if I could go back and do anything different, here's where I would change things. Not because I regret, but only because you look back in the rearview mirror for a short time. It's smaller than the windshield for a reason. Mm-hmm. And here are exercises you can use right now to shift things if you're ready. Mm-hmm. I love that part of your book where you do talk about like, here's where I made mistakes. Here's Mm -hmm. what happened. Here's some situations. Here's what I would do differently. And that one situation in your book, The Real Shit Show Mm -hmm. or Shit Show 101, I think is what you called it, where where, um, you were put in a really difficult situation and you spoke up, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you had this moral and ethical dilemma of, do I report it to HR? What do I do? Um, and I won't give everything away in the book, but you had a really difficult decision to make in some reflection on like what you would have done differently or how, you know, who knows how it would have turned out, I think is so helpful to really think through because we, you don't expect to be in those situations, right? Like no one in business school ever tells you like these are some potential situations you might find yourself. Yeah. And so you have to, and I love that you brought in that real life of like, it's not just like, do I do the right thing or not? It's do I lose my paycheck and my, you know, mm-hmm. financial security? Do I, what is it like the rest of the industry going to think about me if mm-hmm. I make some different choices? And so that was really helpful to walk through. So for perspective on how do you really like embody the things mm-hmm. in this book um, that you talk about of like, how do you make those mindset shifts? How do you make a choice that feels better in your body, right? That's not so constricting. What are some tools that you've used yeah. um, to do that? Great question. Very uh, loaded question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and this is not something that, again, someone was like, hey, here are all the things. Go do. I had to explore and through trial and error, figure out what worked for me. And I believe that is true for everyone else. Uh, but hopefully in in sharing some of the tools I've used, it will give people inspiration or ideas to try if they haven't already A, at the larger, you know, bird's eye view, it's a healing journey. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I talk about like your journey for yourself is the most important journey you're ever going to be on, right? Mm -hmm. So why not take the time to really understand who you are and where you want to be and what that gap is between A and B and what Mm -hmm. you need to do to get there? And so a lot of the modalities I tried early on were more traditional things you would think about. I went to therapy. Um, I'm uh, totally open about being in the messy. So uh, I have been through three different scenarios of sexual violence in my life, starting at a very young age, five uh, through 21 years old, and had an alcoholic father. Um, not Those two are not related, just for reference. <laughs> and then, you know, divorced family and and all the things that come with that. And 
you know, people have been through far, far worse. But I think any type of trauma that you go through, traditional therapy definitely has a place. Mm -hmm. And it did help me unpack a lot of what was going on. And I also then went into Al-Anon, which is the same 12-step program as AA that Mm -hmm. you would go through if you were an alcoholic addict, but it's for loved ones of. Mm -hmm. And what you learn in that process is you grow up with a parent who has, unfortunately, those, you know, problems or a disease, as they like to call it. And you learn that you're really good at managing chaos because you're constantly taking care of them. You're playing Mm -hmm. the parent. They're playing the child. And then you don't realize that later on in life as an adult, you'll actually go create chaotic Mm -hmm. situations because you're so comfortable managing them Mm -hmm. and it feels safe. Mm -hmm. And so it took going through that program for me to become aware of it. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the chapters in the book is really like how self-aware are you? And also how are you aware of your surroundings and other people Mm -hmm. and not only how you impact them, but how they impact you. Um, but Al-Anon really changed my self-awareness when mm-hmm. it came to, wow, I'm creating these situa- situations in my life. Like, hey. yeah, and that helped me unpack that. I ultimately really realized, oh my gosh, I like there's so much more out there. And so I started reading every self-development book under the sun <laughs> and uh, ultimately found myself in a yoga studio in Del Mar, the mentor that uh, Danielle was mentioning earlier. Her name is Cindy. She's a phenomenal woman started a business called Feminine Mastery. Um, and she was just at the precipice of starting that business. And she's in this yoga studio and she's going to host this workshop. And I'm like, yes, I'm in. Like, but what am I going to get out of it? Like still in total mm-hmm. masculine corporate brain. Little did I know that that would turn into one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. It would turn into going on self-development retreats. I would ultimately host those retreats with mm-hmm. her. And Danielle did, right? So a lot of different methodologies. And it was later that I ran into Reiki. And I got to tell you, I mean, I I would say out of all of them, Al-Anon and Reiki have probably been the most profound to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many more I could list. I mean, I've done EMDR. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. But Al-Anon really just opened my eyes to seeing blind spots, right? Mm-hmm. Like I could not mm-hmm. see that and I needed to see it in order to make a change. So that yeah. was that was huge for me. Reiki, because I am and I try really hard not to be, but because I'm a perfectionist and a control freak Mm -hmm. and I'm constantly trying to manage everything, I need a scenario where I can tap into the subconscious and let it take over. Mm -hmm. And what I actually learned through doing EMDR is a lot of what we do day to day is in that 20% of your conscious, Mm -hmm. but like there's 80% of your subconscious that's sitting there that needs to catch up with all the healing work you're doing consciously, Mm -hmm. but we don't tap into it often because Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, we don't talk about that and we don't do those things. And how could that possibly go hand in hand with like how I show up as a leader in corporate, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is it does. Yeah. And Reiki allows me a chance, A, to lay down and take a nap sometimes. <laughs> That's amazing. To be held, mm-hmm. to receive, which is the feminine, which I am not good at. Mm-hmm. And to allow my body to get to a state where it is so calm, like the nervous system has come. And I already have low blood pressure. You'd think I have high, but I actually have low. Mm. But my nervous system is not calm. I can feel it frayed, mm-hmm. right? So in those moments, I get that permission to bring that nervous system down to a level where my body can start to heal itself. Mm-hmm. And yes, I have a practitioner and I trust no one as much as I trust this woman next to me mm. when it comes to healing and a lot of things. <laughs> I couldn't say everything because my husband would be like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> or my mom or other people. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, when you find the right practitioner who's doing the work because A, they're gifted and B, they're so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And you put yourself in their hands and you allow that experience for your body. It changes you. 
Like yeah. it just, it's, it's one of those inexplicable, mysterious ones that you're never, even though science has been able to explain a lot of it, and I'm sure mm-hmm. Danielle can share that, mm-hmm. there's some that's not explainable and that's okay. Right. It's magical, it's mystical, it's mysterious. And that's like, I like a little bit of unknown, not a lot, but it's a beautiful practice. And so, you know, long story short, like I said, loaded question, a lot of different modalities that have really helped me unpack, unravel and unveil so much to myself so that I could not only write that book, but explain to people, how do you become more self-aware? How do you become mm-hmm. more emotionally intelligent, et cetera? I love it. Such a beautiful answer. And what I've found from helping people heal from trauma and my own trauma is to exactly what you said is like, there's no one modality. Like it's not a one and done and it's a different combination of things for different people. Um, there's some commonality of things, but it's like finding those pieces that work best for you. And I think that's sometimes the most frustrating part for people is 100%. like, I just like, you know, you want to, you want to go into a doctor, get mm-hmm. a prescription, be cured. And that's just not how it works. So Danielle, for those of us um, who are not familiar with Reiki, I am very familiar, but for the audience that is is not, um, tell us a little bit about what is the practice? What is it like? Anything you'd like to share about it? Absolutely. Um, I love that you shared. There are so many like so many modalities that allow us to crack open mm-hmm. and see. I always say it's like peeking out the window. Oh, there's a new perspective I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, I'm like, Reiki may not be your first stop. It may not be your last stop. But can you go explore all these different ways to get in touch with what your body is trying to say to you at all times and go find the way that language speaks to you? So maybe it is the language of Reiki or maybe it's shamanic breath work or maybe it's all these mm-hmm. other different things we can do that allows you to find that stillness mm-hmm. and to go into that sacred pause. Because mm-hmm. so many of us forget to slow down and to be more mindful throughout our day. Yeah. So Reiki, we can explain it a couple different ways. <laughs> I always say it's a fun one to break down to people who are like, I uh, say what? <laughs> and that was me. You know, I was right. corporate girl, like riding the ladder. And I, you know, have my own stories of leadership and the whole mess of things that totally unraveled for me too. losing my kind of trust in the corporate way that well in the leadership in the corporate world right like what was happening now and the leadership programs we were going through I was going through different things I was getting trained and stuff and then the people I worked with were still exhibiting the same behaviors Mm. and you're like okay it's a to-do list of things to do but you're not shifting and changing from like the embodiment standpoint Mm -hmm. of showing up differently right and it's crazy to me to think that people who are running larger companies or in certain leadership positions think that you just like literally check your baggage at the door. (laughs) Like you check your baggage at the door. (laughs) You don't bring it to work with you. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why she would get upset about that. Or she seems triggered today. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know what that person went through X, Y, and Z to sit in front of you in a meeting that morning. Mm -hmm. And it may have been tragic. Right. Right. And we are not those human beings and to change the language around the, what it means to be a fully integrated human being, mm-hmm. to be fully seen every single day for who you are and what you're going through and knowing that the person across from you has all the tools to actually sit with you, witness mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. be in that space. Because anyone who's been held through that process is going to show up amazingly at work. They're going to show up and feel empowered and like they can be fully themselves, which means their creativity turns on, Mm -hmm. which means you get innovation in your company. Like these are the things I thought we wanted, but we're not going the route to get there. Right. Right. So we got a little worked up in the car on the way over here talking about (laughs) the things that can shift in that arena. Um, Anywho, Reiki is a beautiful practice. It's Japanese hands-on healing practice. It has... That's where it originated from in terms of the lineage that I studied. That being said, 
hands-on healing work has been done since the dawn of time. It's been written about in every ancient text. Um, this is just the way and the modality I chose to study it. Mm -hmm. um, you go through a training process of learning about the energy centers in the body, your chakra system, how to work with those and to bring intention to them and to calm the body down. So in a session, essentially, you go through, you're lying down and it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. You're in a cozy space. There are good smelling scents, you know. And I'm working down the body. I'm literally lightly laying my hands on your seven main energy centers, as well as your legs and your feet and your hands and your arms. This process puts you into such a calm state that your body, like she was saying, if you study in like Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, understanding what well, we can go to those heightened states mm -hmm. of consciousness, like we have the science behind it now, our body starts to heal and repair itself. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, this frazzled woman is ready to sit for a second and put everything to side so mm -hmm. I can go in and like repair everything that needs to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we can just let ourselves be held in that state, crazy, beautiful things can happen in our body. Mm -hmm. You know, the majority of my clients start sleeping better. A lot of them start eating differently and they don't even know why, moving their bodies in mm -hmm. new and different ways. They feel safe in their bodies, a lot of them for the first time. Mm -hmm because a lot of us have gone through these heightened things that have happened throughout our lives that don't allow us to get out of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this gorgeous practice to use to let our bodies tell us what's still going on. And then, of course, the really, you know, woo-woo side, the really fun magic spirit side is, you know, some of us have different gifts in that area, too, of things we can see within the body. Mm -hmm. And so really tapping into that, too, to work with your clients to help them have more compassion for themselves. So beautiful. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you work with a lot of high-level leaders, executives. Is that a lot of who your clientele is? Majority have always been very type A. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, attract, we attract who we are, right? Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, it was my path. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, a lot of leaders in business, a lot of entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. people who have kind of paved their own way. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's been fun to be ex-military, like yeah. mm -hmm. people coming out of that space and wanting to, you know, a lot of people who are high ranking in the military then go out and go get these really cool corporate jobs. Mm -hmm. But man, they've seen a lot and their bodies are holding on to a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so to hold that and then also working with companies and other organizations to bring this work to that space as well. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. So what is, would you say is like the biggest challenge or resistance that you typically see early on with a client? <laughs> is it like the need to know? Is it the control part? Like what is, what's the resistance that you most commonly see? I love this question. <laughs> this morning, actually, I was in session and I made a joke with one of the gentlemen I'm working with right now. He's in a longer, I like to work with people and three to five to seven session blocks so we can mm -hmm. actually really dive into the work. And we were laughing. We're like, at the beginning, his inner toddler comes out and doesn't want to settle, mm -hmm. doesn't want to release, doesn't want to doesn't want to sit and receive the work because it's scary to be still. Yeah. When we're still, our minds can go wherever they want to go. When we're still, sometimes trauma comes up in the body mm -hmm. and scary. Yeah. Right. To be in that space. And it's also scary to receive and be held if we never had a really healthy relationship with mm -hmm. that as a child. Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of people I've worked with have mentioned to me that as a child, they, they weren't nurtured. They weren't mm -hmm. told I love you. They weren't held when they fell. Mm -hmm. 
that's so many people's stories. It's mm-hmm. a lot of men's stories as well. And it's, you know, it's devastating to me. Right. So to be able to sit and receive that can feel very uncomfortable for the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's always, did you see anything? <laughs> you know, because they do have that, that gift. Yeah. Did you did you see anything? Like in my past life? Like, you know, it's so funny. Um, and we never know what's going to come through in session. So right. it can be a myriad of things. So it's just, those are usually the two resistance points of also, since I do work with people who have a lot of them, like we've just spoke about our higher level people and companies have had executive roles, have never been exposed to the work, but because of my background, they feel safe to come Mm -hmm. explore it. Mm -hmm. So they'll be like, I don't know what this shit is, but let's try it. (laughs) Right. It's like nothing else has worked. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're talking about in the corporate world. When I used to go pitch to companies in San Diego, it's like, you show me how your current Mm-hmm. system is working for stress reduction in your employees and tell me if it's working. Right. If it's not working, then we got to try something different. So I'm asking you to step outside of the box for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leads me to my next question. I'm wondering, both of your perspective is, is healing possible inside the current corporate environment? And how I've, uh, my personal opinion is I feel like a shift collectively is happening. I feels like it's picking up exponentially, which is help like reassuring for me some days when I have struggled to find faith or hope in the human race. <laughs> that, that's what I go back to. But I'd love to hear from you guys with your experience and what you see is healing and a more healthy culture possible mm-hmm. for corporate corporations. Yes, absolutely. And I think the day we lose hope for that is the day we should stop trying to live because what's the point? to be honest. And Mm -hmm. it's not just corporate, it's just in life, right? Mm -hmm. And I think companies and in general, where we are as a society have made strides towards getting better. And I think some of it has been impactful and has been effective. And I think some of it, to be brutally honest, is checking the box Mm -hmm. and still needs to be at a deeper level. A lot of what I notice is leadership at the top tends to stay away. So maybe Mm -hmm. my VPs and below will go through these programs, but do I as a C-level need to go through the program? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You do. And and not just, oh, I got an executive coach or I went through a leadership training or I did a healing retreat. Like, did you really do the work? Mm -hmm. Did you really actually show up raw, vulnerable, and let someone dig in? Even if it's in private, that's fine. You don't need to share with the whole world in a corporate Mm -hmm. setting. But if you're not doing it and embodying the work, and displaying that, and you're mm-hmm. asking your employees to, you create a very strong disconnect in your culture mm-hmm. of inauthenticity. While you're sitting there saying you're being authentic, you're creating a more healthy environment. Mm-hmm. Yes, you yeah. got it. Everyone has to be doing it. And I think some of that is just part of the evolution and the journey, mm-hmm. and we're making strides, but we're not there yet. And some of it is people that are really, unfortunately, just trying to check the box and say, oh, look what we do for employees to make things better. And they're not really actually trying to make things better for whatever reason, which which is disheartening. But yeah, I do see more, especially startups, are, are taking that in and putting it in their DNA from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like day one, this is a part of our culture and we are going to find a way to hold true to that no matter how hard it gets mm-hmm. as we grow. And I'm seeing more success with companies that start with it as a part of their DNA Mm -hmm. than ones that have to transform when it's not originally. Absolutely. Danielle, what do you think? Well, if I say no, then I should just give up at this point. No, I, I, you know, this has been like my, this is like my life's work, like being within that space for 
the time that I was and seeing and being exposed to the things that I was exposed to and seeing the breakdown of just hurt and pain that happens within that space. You know, I have my own story of sexual harassment in the workplace Mm -hmm. that was pretty gnarly. California, word there for everybody. And... (laughs) And, and and from my perspective now, I can look back and see where that was just a person who was hurting tremendously. Mm-hmm. And I wish I knew what happened to him from ages three to seven, right? Like yeah. those things you can have so much more compassion for and hold space for and also hold people accountable to doing the work so those things don't happen again. Mm-hmm. And I think that we talked about this earlier as well. You know, these new tech companies that are doing heightened innovation, doing things that we never thought were possible. They are doing these programs and you see their workplace wellness programs are so much more innovative, Mm -hmm. so much more outside of the box. And look at what's happening with their companies. Right. They're growing Mm -hmm. exponentially. They have crazy creative teams that Mm -hmm. are thinking of things that no one's thought of before. There is actual productivity benefit to doing this work if someone needs us to put a number on it that I think is really important to see. Mm -hmm. And if you say, why my childhood was like pretty peachy, fantastic. Well, guess what? The last couple of years, we all went through trauma. Mm -hmm. Whether you thought you were going to lose your job, whether you thought that your company was going to have to fold, you were going to have to do layoffs, like every single human experienced trauma during that time Mm -hmm. at home, at work, with uncertainty. So at this point, like literally no one has an excuse anymore to say that they don't need to do the work. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's sort of the, you know, the hill I'll die on because I'm like, it's so important. And also when you see the benefits of the life you can have beyond that space, mm-hmm. it's time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, so I have two questions. One is from my perspective or my vantage from the companies that I have the pleasure of working with um, and observing, there's, it seems like they fall in two camps. One camp is We've been through something the last two years. Like, let's figure out how to collectively process, acknowledge, understand. And then there's the other camp that's like, oh, well, we're pretty much back to normal. So, like, let's just keep going. Um, Nobody needs to talk about that over there. We're just going to keep moving. So how do companies who have never done this work, like, what's the first step for a company who, if they have leadership that's aware enough to be like, oh, God, we need to do something for our workforce. Because, you know, everyone's talking about the great resignation and people ch- changing jobs and quitting and all of that. And people want to, they can't find workers. All those things. The three of us, I think, know a pretty clear answer. But how do you help a leader understand, like, what's the first step? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so your thoughts on that one. And then I'll ask you the Yeah, I mean, up. get help is the, is the simple answer. Yeah. If you think about being a leader you're never going to have all the answers or all the talent. So Mm -hmm. if you're smart, you're going to surround yourself with people who know more than you do, uh, who have done things you haven't done. And I don't like that are smarter than you because I don't like the you're smarter, I'm smarter, but just balance Mm -hmm. out and round out. And there's a lot of people out there. um, And yeah, it might be a little trial and error. And maybe you might try some programs that don't work. But there are a lot of people like myself, like Danielle, like other businesses that do offer services in different manners that are available. And if this is not an area that you have experience with or expertise in, reach out, ask for help, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And again, it's probably going to take different things Mm -hmm. for different companies. I think companies that are 
you know, uh, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people, it might look a little different what you need compared to a startup that wants to build it into their DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, there's a there's a lot of companies out there that really care about making a difference. And, and some of them are also just still figuring it out. I mean, we're all figuring it out, right? Sure. So I say, you know, ask for the help, be open-minded to it might not be perfect the first time around and you <laughs> might have to try a few things and recognize that your employees are begging for it. Mm-hmm. And if you need evidence of it, look at your attrition rates, look right. at people that are sick and going out on leave because they're sick, mm-hmm. people that get burnt out, mm-hmm. um, unnecessary conflict that you have that requires then HR to step in and manage it, mm-hmm. more harassment cases mm-hmm. in the work. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on. Like yeah. your employees need it. And they want it. They may not know exactly what they need or how to get it, but that's why people like Danielle and I are here. Mm-hmm. We can help you. Absolutely. I would say my biggest tip, and I used to always say this when I'd go into businesses, is your company is an, organi- is an organism. Mm-hmm. Every single human in here is a cell making this thing work. Mm-hmm. If you have someone on the team who's not operating properly because they are burnt out, because they're not you know, at the top of their game, Mm -hmm. it's going to infect everyone around them Mm -hmm. because we all are energetically connected. We know this now. Our energy literally projects 15 feet off our bodies. We have studied it. Mm -hmm. So if someone's in a negative vibration, it will affect your entire team. And so you get to choose how are you going to feed that organism every day? How are you Mm going to put goodness and nurture them and make it feel taken care of? Or else... You get to have disease on your hands, which manifests as things not working, you know, lack of creativity, all the things that Saucer just brought up um, with what she just shared. And also, you start with you. Hmm. Can you go look in the mirror and see if you're showing up every day the way that you want to with your family, um, with loved ones, with the people that you interact with? And if you can't say yes, (laughs) then your company's probably not either if you're leading that company. Way to drop back to the inside job, Danielle. Correct. Mm -hmm. Hats off to you. Just circle back. (laughs) I would also say like generally speaking, culturally, there's a lot of, I don't know how I want to categorize it because I want to be delicate here, but like firms and investors that are putting money into or sitting on boards of companies also have to be bought in. Mm -hmm. And there is a dynamic that has to change of, yes, a a private equity or VC firm is going to put money in and want to see money out but not at the cost of people. And I know that's a hard trade-off in business. There's a lot of hard trade-off decisions we have to make, Mm -hmm. but I believe there's a better way of doing it. And we just have to keep dancing with it and at least try to get better each time rather than Mm -hmm. just believe that the way we've been doing it is okay. Cause I don't believe that's true. That's such a great point. And I don't know if you guys are familiar. There's a, um, a movement, it's a global movement at this point called conscious capitalism. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the the Arizona chapter was actually founded here in this max six building where we broadcast from. Um, and I saw, I've had the pleasure to be a part of many of the conferences and um, the national chapter and also the local, um, chapter. And the whole premise is that, um, your business is more than just profit, right? So you need to think about all your stakeholders, but mm-hmm. a big piece of that for public companies um, and um, investment-backed companies is you're more than just your shareholders' returns, right? So to think about a longer-term perspective and how to really get people on board. Um, and this movement has been going on for at least 20 years. And in the last 
five, well, maybe like the last seven years, we've really seen a lot of momentum, bigger companies getting on board. Um, John Mackey of Whole Foods was one of the co-founders mm-hmm. of this, this movement, wrote a book, the Conscious Capitalism book, but really thinking about how do we help people have a longer term perspective, which then creates a more hospitable place for all of us humans yeah. um, to operate. So I think we're almost out of time and I want to make sure that people know how to get a hold of both of you if this conversation resonated and they're like, hey, I need help. Um, you both work individually with individuals, right? And with companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so both of those are options. And then Sasha also tell us how to get your wonderful book. So yeah. So the inside job is available pretty much anywhere you want to buy your books. So if you're a Barnes Noble person or a Books a Million person or an Amazon person, um, it is available online at all of those locations. And if you really want a signed copy, you can contact me directly and I will ship you one. Um, and I'll write any message you want as long as it's nice. And you can find me, um, I have a website, sashastare.com. And it's hopefully as it sounds, but I have seen some people at Starbucks write my name in some pretty crafty ways. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll spell it S-A-S-H-A, Stare, S-T-A-I-R. And same thing for Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, like just that's the the handle name for all of the above. So it keeps it pretty simple and clean. Awesome. And Danielle, how can we find you? Yes. So I always, I'm old, just go full Instagram. Mm-hmm. Website's under construction right now. Very excited about the new <laughs> rebrand we have going on. Um, but my Instagram handle is this is Danielle Nicole. I also am on LinkedIn as well. And if you go there, it just has, I have practices that I post mm-hmm. every single week, reminders, things mm-hmm. that you can go through as well as links to join me for anything. We have local here in Phoenix, but I also do virtual sessions and virtual speaking engagements with companies as well. Oh, that's a great point, right? Because yeah. you can do sessions anywhere in the Absolutely. world. Yes. So that's great. And I should also plug, I can't believe I always forget this, the Monday Magic, which oh, is, yeah. Yeah. I know, Thank I always for for, I like I should remember my own thing, but you know, I, uh, it's, it's so an, magical that it's, I know, it's, I know. Just, it's elusive. It's in an ether floating around somewhere in space. Um, the Monday Magic is a newsletter that I write every Monday. I actually don't write on Monday. I usually write on Saturday mornings, but uh, I post it on Monday on LinkedIn and it's free. So you can subscribe. Um, you can find it on either my LinkedIn page or just look for the Monday magic. And for me, it was a way of like, Mondays always felt so dreaded, right? You're like, mm-hmm. oh, the weekend's over. And like, Ugh. so I wanted like a quick two to five minute read on, you know, like how do we take back our Mondays and uh, grab your beverage of choice, sit down, get inspired for the week. It's a little thought provoking. Uh, I try to balance every other week, like one week's more fun. One week might be a little deeper. Um, but really embodying the work of the inside job um, so that you have it at your fingertips every week. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. All right. So before we leave, one last question. What would be one tip that each of you could give somebody who's really starting this healing journey? I know it's a big one, (laughs) but like what's the one thing um, that you could suggest to somebody who's becoming more aware that they have some work to do? I will say this quickly, but it's a longer process. Mm -hmm. Three steps. Observe your thoughts, your environment, your body. Breathe Mm -hmm. after you do that. And then connect to something bigger than you, whether it is your family, your community, God, spirit, Mm -hmm. your choice. If you can do those three things when you feel stressed, when you feel unsure, you will feel different. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm cheating too. I'm not doing one. 
So I would say first, uh, be curious. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, this lady over here got me into Ted Lasso. So I'm all about, oh, all about amazing. believe, all about curiosity. Um, so be curious, right? And I think when we're curious, that means we're open-minded. Mm-hmm. We're being compassionate with ourselves, with others. Um, be cognizant that change can happen right away and also doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is it's a journey, not a destination. It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. And as you start to change, things around you will change. And that can be scary because people might not be as comfortable with you changing. Mm-hmm. And you need to be prepared for that and just be loving with yourself and with them and understand that as things change, people get uncomfortable and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And know that you're not alone. I, I really... I never thought I would have ever shared my stories openly about sexual violence until I ran Jeans for Justice. Mm. And I'm so glad I did because the more I have shared all stories, the more people come to me saying, oh my gosh, I'm I'm so moved by what you shared. Now I want to share either with you or more publicly. And it's cathartic to get it out of our system. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like me and you're crazy and you want to share with everyone and scream it from the top of Camelback Mountain and you just don't care, Share with everyone. But if you don't, pick a person for the love. Like just Mm -hmm. anyone. I don't care. Pick the person that's your person that you go to, but share. Get it out of your body. Get out of your system. Have someone that's going to be there for you. um, Be a mirror to you, but also remind you in the days that are really hard, which Danielle and I have done a lot over the last six months in particular for one another, that it's just a moment in time and it's going to pass and you're going to get through it and it's going to be okay. And you're doing all the things you can and you're doing the best you can with what you've got Mm -hmm. in any given moment. I love it. Those are all reminders I needed to hear today. So thank you both for this session. See, this is why I invited you. I just get my own session. <laughs> That'll be a thousand dollars for therapy. No, just kidding. Just well, kidding. I'll uh, checks in the mail. <laughs> all right, ladies. Well, thank you so much for joining me this episode. Thank, thank you, you so for much having for having us. us. Yeah. You have been listening to the Messy Middle Podcast and Radio Show, presented by Mother and Founder Co. We hope you have found a few pieces of wisdom to help you navigate your own messy middle. Be sure to subscribe to The Messy Middle on your favorite podcast platform and follow Jen Burwell and Mother and Founder Co. on Instagram. Remember, beginnings are usually scary and endings can sometimes be sad, but it's the middle that counts the most. Until next time, stay curious, kind, and messy.